Well, it is uh, great to have you here. Uh, again, my name is John, and, and I hope that if I haven't met you already, that I'll get a chance to, if this is your first time here. Uh, we, we pray that uh, you feel right at home uh, and welcome in this place. There's a place for you here. There's a place for you to belong uh, here in this community, in this family, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open in front of you, which hopefully uh, maybe you did as Norma read, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of 2 Corinthians today. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, 2 Corinthians is going to be kind of in the back fourth of your Bible uh, towards the end. It's, it's a pretty small book. These letters that we're reading through are pretty small. So if you flip a few pages, you might miss it. Uh, but the New Testament is the, the second half of your Bible made up of the Gospels. And we're working through Paul's letters to these churches that are springing up now. We're working through this series called Letters to the church. And Paul and, and John and some of the other apostles and, and leaders of the church are writing to these new communities of believers that are, are popping up much like ours. And so these letters happen to be very applicable to us as a church today. And so today, today we're going to be in chapter 3. So when you're looking, it's going to be the big number. The chapter number is always the big number, and the smaller numbers are the verse number. So if we refer to a chapter number, that's we're talking about the big number and the verses are the little one. Today we're going to be working through chapter 3 where Paul, the Apostle Paul is, is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. It's the second letter to the Corinthians. And Paul's working us through some very rich ideas today, some ideas that are not light and fluffy verses. This is kind of hard stuff to understand. This is really rich, full scripture that we're working through. Some passages that we need to chew on a little bit. In other words, passages we need to wrestle with to understand. But for today, we're going to focus on one of the main ideas that Paul is centering in on in this passage, and that's freedom. And before I forget, as the kids are leaving, KQ is starting right now. So if you're <laughs> interested in that, if you have a child uh, in, in K through 5, we'd love to have them uh, join us out in the cafeteria uh, for Kingdom Quest. I told them I wouldn't forget, and I forgot again today. Shoot. What is freedom? That's what Paul's wrestling with today. What does true freedom look like? And it's a question that I think that we can all wrestle with a, a little bit today. Paul's addressing the church and he's asking the church and he's asking us today, what is freedom? What does freedom look like for you today in your life? When I was around, oh, let's say seven or eight, uh, my family would take a trip um, up to Minnesota, up north, in honor of Jeremy today, uh, we'd, we'd head up north and we'd go to this family camp, uh, kind of towards the end of the summer, uh, beginning of fall, right around the season that we're in right now. And the camp had this large dining hall with a big kitchen, and because of that, it took lots of volunteers to run. And so what they did is that they would have the different families do uh, KP, which we all know is kitchen patrol. That's right, kitchen patrol. And so one of the rules was that every family uh, through in the, in the camp that week got to rotate through. A couple of families did it at the same time. And so it happened to be our family's night to do that. So my brother is about nine or ten, and I'm about uh, seven or eight, and, and, and we're, we're busy uh, sweeping away, and we're scrubbing pans, and we're cleaning up the dishes, and, and running them through the dishwasher. And it just so happened that that night's dessert was ice cream sandwiches. Oh, Ice cream sandwiches, okay? And, and at that time, I was obsessed with ice cream sandwiches for some reason. And you know what ice cream sandwich, the best part is the ice cream. And so I would actually eat the, it's like an Oreo, you know, where you eat the, la- the, the top and the bottom first, and then you just have the ice cream and just make a total mess. I love to do that. I love ice cream sandwiches. But unfortunately, you only got to have one ice cream sandwich with your meal. And I could have eaten 100. 
and I wanted another one. Well, this being my first time in the kitchen, I was kind of just sweeping along, doing my thing, kind of wandering around, and then I happened to look behind me and see an open freezer. And it kind of had those little drapes coming through. You know, the door was open because there was some kitchen staff from the camp that was moving boxes in and out. And so I'm like, okay, parents aren't watching. My brother's not watching. And so I kind of wandered my way back to the freezer. And lo and behold, what did I see staring at me, looking back at me in the freezer? Boxes and boxes of A&E ice cream sandwiches. This was incredible. And so being my first time in the kitchen, I'm just like, well... I'm just going to kind of wander in there, and I suppose I can just wander on back, right? And so um, what I do is I kind of start wandering back there, and, and not really thinking anything of it, I just head straight into the freezer, and I go right for the ice cream sandwiches. I'm just making sure nobody's watching me. And then all of a sudden I hear, thud. And it's very dark all of a sudden in the freezer that I'm standing in by myself, and I'm officially trapped in a walk-in freezer, or so I thought. And, you know, it's kind of cool at first, in more ways than one. It's kind of cool at first because no one knows where I am, right? I'm here with all the ice cream sandwiches that I could ever want. But then it starts to get very cold. And then it starts to get very lonely, and it's very dark, and I can't really see anything, and I'm I'm tripping over boxes and different things. And I start to actually wonder, am I ever going to get out? Because there's no handle on the door, right, in a walk-in freezer, right? I didn't know that then, but what I didn't know is that the handle's on the outside and you can actually push the door. But at the time, I pretty much thought that my life was over. I mean, I was pretty scared at a young age, and so I'm starting to give up hope and wondering if, just thinking, wow, I never thought it would end this way. Me and ice cream sandwiches. And, and, and for a few minutes, it, it, which seemed like an eternity, I'm just standing there shivering, sitting on the boxes here with everything that I could ever want, yet not feeling that complete freedom. And so I'm forced to simply stay alive. And finally, I heard some voices, and then the door swings open, and there happens to be my mom. And I'm sitting there sheepishly on top of the ice cream sandwich boxes with one in my hand, just going, yeah, I was just helping him put the boxes away, you know. I was just trying to make ends meet here. And, and, and my mom's staring back at me, and she grabs my hand and pulls me out. And needless to say, no more ice cream sandwiches for me that week. But what I discovered was I, when I was on the inside, even with everything that I wanted, everything that I could ever want at my disposal, I wasn't completely free. I had everything that I could want, but somehow it just wasn't enough. For a while... All I wanted was to be free. For a while, all I wanted was to get out and to be set free from the darkness that was around me. Have you ever felt trapped in your life? Maybe not inside of a big walk-in freezer, but deeper than that. Is there an area of your life today where you just feel stuck? Maybe it's in... Uh, relationships or, or, or some area that you just sort of feel trapped or maybe it's at work or maybe it's at school. Just Maybe there's an area of your life where you're just wondering, is it ever going to change? Wondering, how am I ever, ever going to get out of this? We all have those things that have their hold on us, don't we? Those things that we feel kind of entangled with. And so today, whether it's sin, that habitual sin that you feel caught up in, or maybe it's just a habit that you can't seem to break, that you know that you want to live a different way, but you just can't seem to get around that. Or maybe there's a circumstance at work, or maybe there's a broken relationship, and you just can't figure out how to fix it. You feel trapped. You feel in bondage to it. 
almost. And you've been asking God, man, I just need some breakthrough here. I'm tired of the same old patterns. I'm tired of the same old problems. I'm tired of walking into the same old problems and the same old cycles in my life again and again. We could all use a little bit more freedom, couldn't we? Today in our reading from 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing the church there in Corinth and, and he's talking on a similar topic. And we get down to verse 17. Look at that with me. And Paul says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now think about that for a second. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so if we believe here this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is here, wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there I am with them. The Spirit is here this morning, and so I'm proclaiming freedom over this worship service today. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Who wouldn't want more of that, right? If God is offering some freedom, I can think of lots of areas in my life where I could use a little bit more freedom, where I could use some release from things that are entangled around me. But as with any promise of God, I I think that, that we run the risk of talking about, but never actually walking into it, never actually living it, living in its truth. And we know that there's freedom in Christ. I doubt that there's a person here today that doesn't doubt that there's freedom in Christ. But why don't we live that way? Why don't we live it out? What does that really mean? And I think that there's a difference between knowing about an idea and actually walking in its truth and living like it's true. Maybe God doesn't want us to just talk about freedom, but to live it. Because when all you've ever known is feeling stuck... When, you, when, you're, when you're in bondage for so long, when something has its grip on you, whether it's sin or a habit or some brokenness in your life, when you've been walking in that for so long, you just kind of start to think, well, that's the way it is, right? That's just the way things are in my life. When you've, all you've known is bondage or being stuck, it's hard to believe that there's anything different. We all want freedom, but it's hard for us to leave what's familiar in our lives, even if it's killing us in the meantime. You're going to see a clip here in a second from the movie The Shawshank Redemption, which I'm sure many of you have seen, and I believe that it speaks to this difficulty that we face quite well. Red is one of the characters' names played by Morgan Freeman. He's one of the inmates at this maximum security prison, and he's reflecting on the walls that are surrounding them, the the prison that surrounded them, that surrounded them for years. And Red starts to speak to the difficulty of what it's like after having been surrounded by these walls, having not had freedom for so long, how difficult it is to sustain that hope that there's actually something different and there's a new life to walk into. So let's take a look. Fifty years, Hayward. Fifty years. This is all he knows. In here, he's an important man. He's an educated man. Outside, he's nothing. Just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. Probably couldn't get a library card if he tried. Fred, I do believe you're talking. Yes. You believe whatever you want, Floyd. 
But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. After a while, we just start to get used to the walls that are around us. And even when we know that we're stuck, even when we know whether it's an actual prison or the prisons that we live our lives in, we know that there's freedom to be had. But as the inmates are talking about, it's a lot harder to actually live into that and to walk it out. It's a lot easier to keep living in the old ways. And so Paul's dealing with a similar struggle when, with the church that he's writing to in Corinth. So let's take a look at this today, starting in verse 7. It's come to Paul's attention that there's some Jews that are, that are talking about this freedom, but they're not actually living in it. They're living in the old covenant, and the language that Paul is using to describe this, this, uh, this relationship is the old covenant versus the new covenant. There's an old way of being in a relationship with God, and then there's a new way of being in a relationship with God. And so we read here in verse 7, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not even bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? And so Paul's drawing this comparison between two very different ways of living. One that brings the freedom that we're all looking for, the new covenant, and one that doesn't. This old way that Paul's talking about that's etched in stone is, of course, the Ten Commandments, right? The law that was given to the Israelites back in the Old Testament. Moses comes down from the mountain after having been with God, and his face is is radiating with this light from the glory of God, having encountered God, and Moses brings the laws to the people. And this is the law which God's people, the Israelites, they've based their entire relationship on it for thousands of years, and it's what we read particularly in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy that you have in front of you. And so the old covenant is based on law. God, God's calling his people to obedience through these set standards. In the old covenant, your ability to be close to God, your, your, your ability to be stand right, to be righteous before a holy God was if you kept all the laws, even at times making sacrifices as the penalty for your sins. And so that's the old covenant over here. But then Paul mentions, no, there's this new way of life that Jesus has ushered in. There's a new covenant. There's a a new way of being in relationship with God. One where the Holy Spirit is giving life, as we read in verse 8. And so this new covenant that Paul speaks of is no longer just a list of laws for us to keep. But the new covenant is actually Jesus himself. Let's look at verse 9. If the old way which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Paul's saying to the church, church, don't you remember? Don't forget, don't you remember that Jesus is the new covenant? Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we don't have to live in guilt and condemnation for our sins anymore. You don't live under the law anymore. You live under grace You live under the freedom that is offered to you in Christ. Paul is giving us a bit of a history lesson here that that brings us all the way back to the prophet Jeremiah, who speaks of this new covenant back 
in chapter 31. So if you want to turn to the book of Jeremiah really quick, I believe this is a really important verse that sets the stage for what Paul is talking about today. Jeremiah is back in the Old Testament, in the prophets. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Paul is speaking of this new covenant here in, first, in 2 Corinthians, but it was talked about a long time ago. The new covenant that would come in Jesus was prophesied many, many, many years before. And I believe we got it up on the screen here. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. Let's read this together. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will write them on their hearts. No longer just laws written on tablets of stone that we have to obey. So instead of God writing just his law on stone tablets that Moses delivers to the people, God says in Jesus, I have offered you a new way of being in relationship with me. One, instead of just giving you laws, I'm actually going to write them on your heart. I'll actually make you into the kind of people that want to obey because it's what you were created to do. I'm going to make you into the kind of people that are moved by your spirit, by the new spirit that's living inside of you to live life the way that you were created to live. And so this is the situation that Paul has on his hands in Corinth. Many of the Jews are afraid to leave this old way, this old covenant, and afraid to start walking in the new ways that Jesus offers. They've gotten so used to the walls around them, they've gotten so used to the prison that surrounds them, that seeing that all they see now is God as a list of do's and don'ts. All they see is the law of just this list of things that they can do and can't do, this empty religion with no life, and that's what life with God has come to. And so I believe that Paul's words offer us a challenging question today. Are we truly living in the freedom that's been given to us in Christ? Are you living a life under the law still? A life of legalism, a life of self-hatred and condemnation? Or are you living under grace? Well, how do we know? How, how would I know if I'm living underneath the law or if I'm living underneath grace? And to do that, we look at the things that still have a grip on us. We start to look at those things in our lives that we're still carrying around that scripture says, you don't have to carry those around anymore. That doesn't have to be a part of your life anymore. You don't have to carry that around. And I believe that in Christ, scripture points us to some key areas where we are offered true freedom. Areas that we need freedom in our lives, and we're going to touch on three of those today. First of all, we are set free from the power of sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans is right before 2 Corinthians. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We are set free from the power of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. And verses 6 and 7 read like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. So that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So does this mean that we're never going to sin again? Definitely not. But what it means is that the power of sin, the grip that sin 
has that the sinful nature seems to have on our life sometimes because of what Jesus has done, those chains are broken. And we don't have to live in that anymore. There's a power at work in us now in this new covenant, in that spirit that brings life, as Paul is talking about. There's a new power that's at work in us called the Spirit of God that's at battle, that's at war with the sinful nature that's inside of us. This is calling us back into the old self, into the old covenant, and the Spirit of God is calling us to live in a new way. The Spirit of God is making us into a different kind of person. Free from sin. Secondly, the freedom that we have in Christ sets us free from condemnation. So often we, we move past that sin point and like, yeah, I believe I'm forgiven. I believe that I'm freed from those sins. But so often we fail to live in this truth and the reali- realization that our sins are forgiven. It, 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 we have that realization like, wow, That's such an amazing thing. I'm forgiven. God set me free from those sins. But what we fail to do is to realize that the battle is still continuing. This is when Satan goes to work, speaking the lies back into us, even after we've been forgiven. And we start to hear some of those old familiar phrases again and again. Remember? Remember what you did. Remember all the people that you hurt? Do you... You, you actually believe that you can move on from this. You know, you may be forgiven, but you're still a failure. For some of you, those words are very real, or words similar to that. But because we're set free, we can call those what they are this morning, lies. Straight up lies that have no grip on you. Nothing but lies that crumble before the truth of who Jesus says you are, forgiven, without condemnation. Back, uh, actually a little bit forward ahead in the book of Romans, Paul reminds us this in chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've heard somebody say, no condo, no bondo. No condemnation, no bondage, right? Try that one out on your friends this week. No condo, no bondo. Do you believe it? Or are we just reading it? Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is one of those things where we say I'm free, but then we walk right back into the prison. We walk right back into those walls that surround us. And again in verse 33 in chapter 8, Paul says this, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And that's the importance of God's word. That's why we're wrestling with God's word. That's why we're looking intently into God's word. That's why the importance of, that's why it's so important to have community around you, to have people that will speak these truths into your lives. Because when you're alone, that's when you get isolated and that's when Satan likes to go on the attack. That's the importance of looking into God's word. It's the importance of community. And so if you've been living in those lies recently, today you can start walking in a new direction into the freedom that Christ has for you. And this is kind of a funny one. We're set free from sin. We're set free from condemnation. And the other one I wanted to touch on, and I, and, I, and I thought hard about this one this week, and really asking, what is it that sometimes holds us back more than anything else? And God remind, reminded me this week that we are set free from a mediocre life. 
We are set free from living lives of mediocrity. We are set free as Christians from living ordinary lives, from the idea that we're simply just called to just get on with our days and just make it through. Today, you may not have a big, huge sin that you're wrestling with that you need freedom from. Today, you may not be feeling that guilt and condemnation. But I have to believe that all of us on a given week struggle with this feeling of my life is just what it is, right? Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel trapped like we talked about at the beginning. But maybe you just feel pretty much stuck in your walk with God. It's just ordinary and and there's nothing really more to experience and in life you just kind of settled on this fact which is a lie too that you've just decided well it's time to settle down it's time to start getting realistic about uh, work and family and you realize that you're probably never going to do anything of great impact for the kingdom of god have you ever believed that and pretty soon we start to realize those things and we believe them to be true and like red talked about in the clip those walls around us just become so real that they become reality itself and we can't see outside of them. We can't see the abundant life that's to be had. We can't see the great adventures that God is calling us into. And maybe this whole freedom thing is just an idea. But as we're reminded in the Gospel of John, many of you have heard this verse before. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they might have what? Life. I have come that they might have. I have come that they might have. Let me hear you. Life. I have come that they might have life and life to the full or abundant life, as it says. That doesn't sound like an ordinary life to me. And so when you're there and you're in that moment of isolation and you're having your pity party and you're saying, well, this is just what, this is just my life. This is what's been handed to me. This is where I'm at right now. I have all these duties. I have all these responsibilities. And you know what? I am just pretty settled on the fact that I am not going to do anything great in the kingdom of God because this is where I'm at and I'm stuck. And I think that Satan uses that trap sometimes, even with sin, even with condemnation. He makes us feel helpless and stuck in the situations and the circumstances of our lives. Life to the full doesn't sound like mediocre to me. You were created for life. And whether you find it in Christ or you find it in anything else, you will crave it all the days of your life. And so if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll stop here. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I've been set free from sin. I've been set free from condemnation. I've been set free to live an extraordinary life. But then we forget that we don't just stay there. We forget the entire purpose of this new covenant that Paul's talking about. That, but Paul says the spirit that brings life. It's not so that we can sit there and say, well, I'm forgiven. That's great. I don't have condemnation. That's great. It's so that we can start moving into a new direction. If you hear nothing else today, hear me say this. Don't forget today that you are not only set free from things, you are set free for a purpose. You are not only set free from guilt and shame and sin and the condemnation that Satan likes to bring, you are set free for a purpose. We don't just stay there. Forgiveness is is not the fullness of what Jesus brings. Living forgiven is what he desires for us. Knowing that we're more than ordinary is one thing, but stepping with confidence into the plans and God's will for your life is an entirely different thing. I remember a very vivid story that a friend told me a few years back that 
he shared it with a small group of us, and it was a, a dream that he actually had, but it was very real and shaping in his life of faith. My friend Chris had recently experienced the heartache of parents' divorce and the depression that followed and the shame of kind of growing up as an outcast everywhere that he went, as well as feeling that his life was basically a great disappointment. He felt stuck. And he would always feel that, say that he felt trapped, that he always felt this pressure around his heart that he just couldn't escape. Well, one night in the middle of the night after he had cried himself to sleep, he remembers his dream so vividly as if it had actually happened. He was walking along the ocean, which is rather ironic because he lived in Washington, the state of Washington and lived very close to the ocean. And he's walking along the beach and walking along the ocean and he's walking alone as he always felt that he was. And pretty soon from behind him, he could hear someone walking behind him off in the distance and the footsteps got closer and closer and closer and this person eventually came from behind and he could feel someone put their hand on his shoulder, kind of stop him in his tracks and, and then he felt that this hand turn him around and then he felt two hands on his shoulder and he couldn't exactly make out the face of the person that was looking at him but he was staring intently into his eyes stopping him dead in his tracks. And then reaching inside, the man reaching inside of his heart, grabbed and reaching for his heart, actually ran into chains. Not, not one chain, not two chains, but many chains, all tangled up inside of each other, wrapped around his heart. And then he remembers this feeling like it actually happened. Ever so slowly, the man began to untie the chains that were around his heart. Piece by piece, all the while speaking, whispering into his ear, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. And he kept repeating that until all the chains were unwrapped from his heart. But then, of course, because of the years of pressure and bondage that he felt his heart was shriveled up everything but dead and cold and almost lifeless and then with absolute tenderness and compassion the man in his dream took his heart and he held it in his hands and with that same tenderness and compassion that we know of our savior he starts massaging his heart back to life ever so slowly, ever so gently. And then it starts to beat. And then it starts to beat a little bit faster until Chris looked down and the heart was beating and the man placed it back inside of him and he felt this wave, this wave of fresh air, this power, this spirit inside of him that he'd never felt before. And finally, after being set free, Chris said that the man took Chris's head in his hands, both of his hands, and he put it on his ears and he surrounded his cheeks and his mouth. And the man in the dream looked him in the eyes and stared right into his eyes and said one more time, you are mine. You are mine. And here's the best part. 
Finally, the man in the story took Chris's hand, looked him in the eyes, and started pulling him. And Chris, I, I, I don't know if I want to, he felt kind of this, this I, don't, I don't know if I can do it. And he, he felt this hesitancy. And the man said, come on, Chris. Come on, Chris. He remembers these words. Come on, Chris. And he took his hand and they started running in the other direction. What a beautiful picture of being set free, not only from the things that entangle us, but being set free for a purpose. Chris was not simply left with a new heart, but he was called into a new life with his rescuer there at his side. And this morning, we are not only set free from those things that are wrapped up around our hearts, we are set free for a purpose. We've been set free for transformation. We've been set free so that God can take each of our hearts and mold them and shape them and massage them back into the shape that he desires. But we've also been set free for something else. And this is where it's going to play with your mind a little bit. And this is where, uh, where, where Paul's uh, wrestling with us a little bit here. We've been set free to be transformed, but we've also been set free to serve. And now Chris is planting churches. Chris is raising up other leaders. Chris is particularly working with youth in the city that have struggled with divorce, that have struggled with parents that are incarcerated, with struggling with all forms of depression. And he's building churches. He's building communities for those kind of kids. We are set free for a purpose. We are set free to serve. Galatians 5.13 reminds us, Paul speaking here again. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. True freedom comes when we take what we've been given and we turn it around and we use it to serve others. And now you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Why would anyone want to be set free only to be called back into service? But if we can learn anything from our old self that we used to live in, if we can learn anything from trying to find freedom on our own, we find that living for yourself is a guaranteed way to become very, very lonely in life and without joy. Even with all the ice cream sandwiches that you could ever want, we're still left empty. The father of the Lutheran church that we are named after, Martin Luther, once wrote these words. A Christian is free and Lord of all, subject to no one. A Christian is the most dutiful servant of all, subject to everyone. When you've had the chains of sin and death and pain taken away around your heart and that you've been brought back to life by a loving, compassionate Savior, you can't help but live a life in response to that. This freedom was so freely given to me, so I will freely offer it to others. And that takes all sorts of shapes and sizes. This isn't just a concept. It's a reality that's lived here among us as a church. In the way that this church is filled up with servants, those that have been set free, not to simply be a a part of a church here that gets all their needs met, but to be a church in in the city that exists for the sake of others, using our freedom to serve one another 
in love. And so there's this joy that's found randomly in setting up chairs, and there's this joy that's found in, in plugging in speakers, and there's a joy that we'll find in rebuilding homes and making homes more beautiful for people that are in need. As the church, we're completely free, as Luther said, yet you choose week after week to use your freedom to serve as a church, and it's a beautiful thing, and I thank you for that. You've been set free to be transformed. You've been set free to serve and love. And so we're going to end with one of these final scenes from the Shawshank Redemption. Tired of the walls that have held him in. Desperate for new life and for freedom. The character Andy Dufresne has finally escaped the prison and finally experiences a taste of freedom. Let's take a look. your freedom scene look like today? What are those things in your life that you need to be set free from for a purpose? Let's stand together. Every one of us has been offered a freedom in Christ that's far greater than what we've seen, a, a freedom that gives us reason to celebrate, a freedom that gives us reason to put our hands in the air and to worship. And so the question for us as a church this morning is, what will we do with our freedom? Will you remember it as just an idea, or will we live in its truth this week? I pray that we would, love, that we would use that freedom that we have to love the city around us like they've never been loved, and to live lives of service to others, and in doing so, find true joy.